iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho for another exciting Meet the Filmmaker event. Meet the Filmmaker is a series we hold uh, in our Apple retail stores that brings you up close and personal with some of today's top filmmakers. Uh, tonight we're really pleased to have Mike Judge here talking about his new film, Extract, which comes out this Friday. Uh, Meet the Filmmaker is a podcast on iTunes. You can search for it, subscribe to it, and download new episodes as they become available. Um, before we introduce tonight's special guests, we'd like you to watch and enjoy the trailer for Extract. You see that? They're not going to do their jobs, I'm not going to do mine. I'm just going to sit here. Oh, no. He definitely lost one of them, and they think that they can reattach the other one, but they're not sure. Wow. That's hardcore. How fragile we all are. They're just hanging there. Do you want to go to the bedroom? I'm a little tired. Sexual frustration is really hard. If I don't get home before eight, she puts on the sweatpants. And once the sweatpants are on, I get nothing. Hi. Hon? Joel, let me introduce you to the new temps. This is Cindy. Hey. Hi. And, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Damn. She work here? Yeah, she's a temp. She's a tramp? Temp. is a killer. What are you doing? What are you doing? What is he doing? We can't do our job if they don't do our job in that Extract. I get paranoid when I smoke. Not if you smoke a little. He is the writer and creator, director of uh, a little television show called King of the Hill you might have heard of, and films like Office Space. Please welcome Mike Judge and today's guest moderator, Whitney Matheson. I think that was um, some CGI smoke that we see in that trailer? Is that true? Oh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's a mix, actually. There was a little bit of real smoke. Um, I loaded them up with a little more smoke than, than, uh, than we actually had, but yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who said that was a really great use of CGI technology. I think so. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah the, the guy who... Um, the, the guy who was the kind of effects supervisor was about the most humorless person I've ever known in my life. And he was just saying to me, um, I mean, it's, you can't possibly, a human being can't exhale, exhale that much smoke. I, I don't, uh, and I just said, yeah, that's why we're using special effects. That's why, uh, and we, we had a guy, we had a, a guy smoke, uh, and just blow, like match every little 
thing Jason was doing, and we shot it against black screen, and it, it actually it was a lot of work. <clears throat> it came out really well, I think. Yeah, in the, in the movie, there's, there's more. More <laughs> where that came from. Well, I'm glad that I didn't have to introduce you because I didn't know whether to say writer, director, Mike Judge, or animator, writer, director, producer, voice actor, actor, Mike Judge. Is there one thing you consider yourself more than the others? Are you a writer first or a director first? Hmm. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe a writer, I guess. That would probably, uh, yeah. Well, you wear many hats. And I think you, you wear <laughs> them all very well. I'm schizophrenic. So after, um, after Idiocracy, which I think is a great, and it's a really funny movie, and after, but after the, the mishandling of the marketing of that movie, I think I was kind of worried that it might be a while before we saw your next movie. Were you hesitant at all to make another film after that? Yeah, I was pretty yeah. hesitant. I was kind of hesitant to make another movie after Office Space, actually, and and after the Beavis and Butthead movie, I was hesitant to do it again. But it, then it's kind of like, I guess it's like what they say about having a baby, it's all painful, and then you kind of forget about the that part of it and want to do it again. I, I um, Yeah, this one only took, let's see, it's only been three years? Since, yeah. Well, since it came out, since the Darkers came out. So. But then you started working on this one way back when you were still working on Office Space. Yeah, I started writing this one right after uh, Office Space came out, but um, it hadn't done so well. So uh, when I would tell this idea to any of my Hollywood people, they just said, yeah, that's poison. No, no more workplace comedy for you. Um, but then Office Space started making a lot of money. So I actually started writing it, didn't tell anybody about it, and then um, didn't tell anyone I was writing it. And uh, then over the years, they started wanting a sequel to Office Space. And uh, I just kind of had this in my back pocket, and people seemed to like it. So we did it independently. <clears throat> did you ever consider doing a sequel to Office Space? Uh, maybe for a moment at one point a long time ago. But... Um, I don't think of, uh, not now, definitely not. Yeah. Um, so we have several clips from the movie, and I guess we can start with the first one. I don't know how much we want to set it up. It has Ben Affleck and Jason Bateman having a little conversation. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, let me think what you need to know about this. This um, Jason, the night before this happened, got really wasted and had taken this pill that he... Uh, well, he, he was messed up, and he got, they, he got this notion that they were going to hire a gigolo to find out if his wife would cheat on him to pretend to be the pool cleaner. You kind of have to see it. <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of forgotten <laughs> that that happened, and then he remembers and tries to stop it. Those nights, huh? So where was I? Hello? Hey, Dean. Joe. Thank God you're awake. Uh, did, uh, did, did, did that uh, really happen last night? We go through with that? That, uh, that uh, gigolo stuff? 
Uh, as far as I know. Damn it! What? What was I thinking? We gotta call that off. Right now, can you call that guy? The, what's his name? Uh, Brad, okay, yeah, man. Call him. Yeah, tell him I'll pay him anyway. Not to, not to worry about it. Just tell him not to go over there. What, what was I thinking? All right, chill, chill. I'll call him. Thanks for the drugs, Dean. Uh, uh, actually, I don't have his digits. What are you talking about? I thought you called him last night. Yeah, but I got his number from Cliff. You get it from Cliff again. Cliff doesn't have a phone right now. I got it from him at the bar. Mother f Um, uh, what's the boy's last name? I'll call information. Um... I don't remember. It's a Mexican name. Mexican? For Christ's sake, Dean, the guy's got blonde hair and blue eyes. Come on. I thought it was strange, too. A guy who looks like that had a Mexican last name. But I don't judge people, you know? I mean, it might not have been Mexican. It could have been a Filipino name. I think it's Lopez. Uh, or Sanchez. Uh, or Gutierrez. I, I gotta get home and head him off. Joel, we gotta talk. Not now, Brian. It's kind of important. Not now. It's kind of really Not important. Now. It's about Listen, step. Brad Chavez on line one for you. Who? Brad Chavez. Brad Chavez. You want me to take a message? No, no. It's the pool cleaner. I better take that. <laughs> Should we go right into the next? Curve? We. We can take a, a okay. moment to maybe chat about the greatness of Ben Affleck in, in this movie. He's he's so great, and they're yeah, like, I, I mean, I loved him in this. I, I um, you know, I I heard he wanted to do it, and um, or my casting director said, you know, Ben Affleck's interested, and, and I said, well, you know, it's no, it's Jason Bateman. We're already, and he said, no, he wants to be Dean, and I thought, really, wow. Uh, and then I started thinking about it and met with him and. He was started talking about this guy he went to high school with, and he started kind of doing that character basically. And I just thought it was really funny, and and also just very different from what he's done recently, you know. And he, um, uh, he and Jason just I thought played great off each other. It was just really really fun. Yeah, I feel like in all of your in all of your work, there's at least one character who reminds me of somebody I went to school with or somebody I'm related to, and. And in this movie, it's Ben Affleck's character. Yeah, there, yeah, I, yeah, I do get that a lot. With, it's, with him, uh, also David Koechner's character in the movie, which I, I guess we don't have any of those clips. But, um, <laughs> but uh, wait till you see the gigolo. He's uh, that's in the next clip. He's yeah. I don't, he, I, th I thought he was really great too. He's this kid, Dustin Milligan, and just uh, really great actor. I think you have to um, to play really dumb. You. You almost have to be smart in in a way. I, I always think that, you know, for roles like that, you'll find somebody who's dumb that can just be themselves, but it, it doesn't always work. So, but this, yeah, anyway. Well, have you ever gotten a hard time from anyone who says that you've based a character off of them? Like Yeah, it, everybody thinks I've based Beavis and Butthead on them. <laughs> and and <laughs> it, it's never, it, it's never the... I mean, I didn't really base them on anybody in particular, but it's it's always somebody who's not even close. Um, although there was actually a guy recently who found me on Facebook who I maybe got a little bit of the laugh inspired by. He wasn't anything like Beavis or Butthead, but he was a really, really smart guy, actually a s 
kind of, he's actually now a professor, uh, and he, a uh, professor in chemist math, um, and he, uh, if he's, I'd always, you know, you'd see him coming down the hall, and there's always that awkward thing where you're like, you know, maybe 30 yards from somebody, and you see each other, and you're just walking, and you just start kind of nodding, and he had this laugh. It w this isn't the butthead laugh. This is the this guy laugh. It was kind of like, <laughs> hey, Mike. <laughs> and then you'd be talking to him, and it'd just kind of be going, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think after... I don't know, the first two years of doing Beavis and Butthead, I thought, wow, that's kind of like, uh, well, I won't say his name. Uh, <laughs> I better not. But that's, that's the only time someone maybe came close to identifying themselves in something. Yeah. <clears throat> well, also, Gene Simmons is in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's like another, that's another great yeah, surprise. He plays a, like a really sleazy lawyer, like one of those lawyers on TV. And um, I... This is how out of the loop I am. I thought no one would recognize Gene Simmons without the makeup on. And I'd, I'd seen him just once without the makeup on on Politically Incorrect. I had no idea that this reality show is so huge and that he's... That, uh, but, um, yeah, uh, we were... You actually had a lot of really great actors wanted to play that role. And uh, something, was, something was missing. My producer, John Altschuler, you were talking about it. He goes, it just, he needs to be a running sore of a human being, whoever this is. And uh, Gene Simmons kind of, you know, stole the part. Well, let's look at the next clip. And I don't know if we need to say, oh, here, here we go. Uh, this is, comes right after what you just saw, pretty much. He's, he's now, uh, this is Brad Chavez on the phone. Tell me, tell me what happened. I want to hear it all. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Well, uh, she let me in, uh, so I just went back like I was cleaning the pool, and I don't know anything about pool cleaning, right? So I was totally just faking it. Um, and she was in her bathing suit, so I struck up conversation. It's a really nice house. Thank you. Is it your dad's house? <laughs> no, it's, it's ours. Oh, wow. You look so young to be living in a house this nice. <laughs> what? Do you have any sunscreen? I, uh, forgot mine. Sure. And see, I thought that was pretty smart of me, right? To ask to borrow the sunscreen, because that way I could ask if she wanted sunscreen. I could rub some on her back. Now, a lot of people say, and this is most, this is a workplace comedy. A lot of it takes place in the factory, but also a lot of it takes place in the suburbs, by the pool and in the yard. And yeah. So, and you write a lot about the suburbs and your work. So, what's your, what about that kind of culture interests you? What's your relationship um, to it? I actually like the suburbs. I mean, I, I, I remember how, uh, when I saw, when Do the Right Thing came out, I had this epiphany. I was watching this and I, I wasn't, making movies or anything back then, but, um, you know, there's a, those great scenes with those old guys talking about the Korean grocery store or whatever, and I just, I thought, man, somebody ought to just make a movie like this, but just about, like, my suburban street where I was living at the time, you know, on the outskirts of Dallas, and um, it's just, there's just a lot of material out there that I think people don't 
really look at or think about, but it's everywhere and it's in everyone's life. And um, so, you know, I thought maybe there was a niche for some kind of like suburban Woody Allen, Spike Lee filmmaker or something. Uh, but I, I also just kind of like it and find it interesting. And, and I think we could just go into that next clip since it. Oh yeah, the, the next clip. Actually, next these clips are they're a little different than I thought. That um, the next one is uh, this gigolo guy. Actually, he finds Jason finds out that the guy just keeps coming back to his house while he's gone, and 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 has now like fallen in love with his wife. And uh, so this is after he busts the guy leaving once, and he kind of storms in, and yeah, you'll see. So how is that new pool cleaner? Well, what, what do you mean? What do you think I mean? Did he do a good job cleaning the pool? Um, well, I... Did he get all the leaves? It doesn't look really clean. I'm looking right at it, and it looks pretty damn filthy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Doesn't look like he did a good job. I think he did a horrible job, and I don't think we're going to be using him anymore. Okay. Are you sure you're feeling okay, Joel? Can I take you to the doctor? No. Do you want some aspirin? No, thank you. How about some raisins? <laughs> How about some raisins? Now, is there stuff that you learned from making Office Space and Idiocracy that you kind of applied when you were making this film? Yeah, I mean, you know, like little things that might be kind of boring to talk about. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, just kind of, you know, uh, production design, like kind of getting, um, uh, I don't know, just, yeah, I'm, little things, you know, technical stuff. I mean, you kind of, you get a pretty good sense, even just from doing dailies and shooting stuff, of how uh, things translate to, to film. Like sometimes... You know, like they say, the camera adds 10 pounds. It also seems to, like, take away 10% of how exaggerated something is. Like, you kind of... Uh, something will seem really over the top when you're shooting it, and then in the context of the movie, it doesn't seem that over the top. And so, um, just little things like that, like to what degree somebody's... how big or small something's going to be, kind of getting a sense of that. And you're already on to the next thing, or you're producing... A movie based on an Arthur Conan Doyle? Yeah, that's that might happen. There's this thing called Brigadier Gerard, which uh, John Altshuler and Dave Krinsky, my producing partners, wrote. And it's it's based on these Sir Arthur Conan Doyle books, which were the guy who did Sherlock Holmes. It's uh, <clears throat> set during the Napoleonic Wars, and uh, but it's actually really, really funny. It's He wrote this character. is kind of like Clouseau. It was... Uh, I read these books, and it, for something written over a hundred years ago, I think to make me laugh that much, it was just. It's uh, in fact, I think Clouseau was probably inspired by these stories a little bit. Um, it's uh, yeah, and that uh, that'll probably happen. I don't know in the next year or so. So I definitely want to talk a little bit about King of the Hill because that ends September thirteenth, which is really soon. And you've been doing the show since 1997. So what are you going to miss about making the show? Oh, um, I don't know. I, you know, uh, we were canceled once, like three or four years ago. And 
cleaned out our desks out of the building. Everything was over, and uh, then it came back. So I kind of went through all that thinking back then. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll uh, wait. Was the question what will I do with myself? Or <laughs> I I'm gonna take a break. Uh, yeah, it'll be weird. It'll be the first time since really like '92 that I haven't had yeah. a show. Because that was right after. Yeah, Beavis, Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill overlapped. They were both on at the same time for about a year. So you're looking forward to the break, or is it going to be weird to I'm, not have? I'm looking forward to it. I I always keep thinking I'm going to retire. I keep swearing to myself I'm going to retire, and then I don't. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I um, I'll probably do something. <laughs> probably be one of those guys like William Shatner that just is always on TV. <laughs> Maybe they'll, uh, yeah, I don't, this will be the first break, though, I've had in a while. <clears throat> so which voice was more fun to do? Is it Hank or Boomhauer? Boomhauer's fun if it's the right thing. I mean, um, Boomhauer's based on a, well, I had the idea for the character. I'd done, in one of the Beavis and Butthead shorts, the second one, I had done that character and then cut it out, but where I really got that voice from, there was a guy who left a voicemail on Beavis and Butthead complaining about the show, and he was referring to the show, he thought it was, he called it, I swear to God, he called it Porky's Butthole. <laughs> I don't know. Which sounds <laughs> like a left, great band name, I think. Yeah, hey, someone should do it, yeah. It's a, it, he, his message, was, it started out, he said, um, I've been calling y'all for better month now, grab about y'all every time them dang old Porky's friggin' old butthole come on. And you dang old... And he was, it, he went on and on, and he was talking about Pogi's butthole and y'all dang it. Uh, and uh, it was, it's Boomhauer's always easy to, easier for me to do if he's got an attitude, if he's pissed, or if it's it's hard to do when I have to actually have him. You have to actually understand one word that he says, or something, and then it's, then it's hard. But. And I've heard you haven't ruled out the possibility of Beavis and Butthead returning one day. Would you Whoa. do another feature? <laughs> Would you do anything? Yeah, hey, I, 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 I love Beavis and Butthead. I, I kind of miss it. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> well, if you watch David Letterman tonight, you'll see a little thing of Beavis and Butthead introducing a clip from the movie, that last clip. Uh, kind of like a, I did a thing where they're like masterpiece theater, kind of Butthead's in a smoking jacket and a pipe. Beavis is over by the fire. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to do, you know, I was... A while back, I was. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll get an idea and think, "Wow, it's too bad I'm not doing the show anymore." Or maybe I should do something. Um, I, I wanted. I started writing this. Uh, I was thinking it would be funny if they were working tech support, if that's who you, you called and you get one of them. And um, I started. It was just writing itself. It was just really fun, and, and I kind of. So I don't know. I, I, I like to leave the door open to it, the possibility. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, maybe especially younger people, forget how controversial that show was. And for, I mean, there were conservative groups who were going crazy them. over it. And then they had to insert the warning at the beginning of the episodes. Do you think that in any way that controversy may have helped your career at all? I, you know, I don't think... I don't, <laughs> I don't enjoy the controversy. I don't try to... I'm not looking for it. I... Um, I don't. I actually, you know, the ratings were good before the controversy happened. And I, I don't, and I think a lot of journalists who were really down on the show like to say that 
you know, they said that about Howard Stern too, that, you know, that it's, oh, it's just because it's shocking or just because uh, it's controversial is the only reason it's getting ratings. And I mean, believe me, Fox has tried a dozen shows just for the sake of edgy controversial that have failed. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think that's it. Uh, but uh, it always, uh, like, getting some distance from it, I look back and I go, okay, to, it's on cable TV. You have to be responsible enough to call up, have it installed, pay your bill. To be that responsible enough and, and act like you can't figure out how to turn it off and not have your kids see it, it's just, I don't get it. <laughs> now, have you ever thought about directing a feature-length animated movie? Well, that's what the Beavis and Butthead movie. Uh, well, not <laughs> even even not Beavis oh, and um, Butthead. Anything. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, um, there's something I'm supposed to read that someone just sent. But I probably, uh, yeah, I, I actually really like. Uh, I think CG animation is kind of in its infancy as far as what people are figuring out to do with it. I, I think, you know, when I'd go to all these festivals and early on, everything kind of sucked, and then. I mean, it would look amazing, but and then John Lasseter figured out this. You know, he started making these things, and then everybody made stuff that looked like John Lasseter. And I think now there's all these new kind of ways people are finding to use it, and um, it's it's just evolving. I think it's just kind of at the beginning of what could be a really long, a lot of cool stuff can be done with it. <clears throat> and I, I so I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind playing with that at some point. So are you a fan of Pixar and CGI animation? Yeah, I, I like that stuff, yeah. I mean, uh, um, like I said, I think, I think that's kind of, well, it's like that sort of one look that can be done with that stuff. And, you know, and, and it's, uh, I haven't been seen as many of them as I used to. Yeah. So. Um, well, I just want I like WALL-E. Was that, was that Pixar? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that was great. <clears throat> well, when you're working on an animated project, how how does it all usually come together? Or I don't know if there is a pattern for you. Do you start out with the drawing of the characters, and then you're writing it, and then the voice? Or usually it's the drawing first. Well, no, actually, you know, I take that back. It's it's uh, with Beavis and Butthead. It was the drawing first, um, but uh, it's 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 actually usually the voice first. What it's What's, what it's, I, I'm not good at is if there's just a script first and then trying to draw it. Mm. For some reason, um, I, I started out uh, with, I would just, um, started out wanting to do like sketch comedy acting or ca doing characters. I always did imitations and I knew I would be no good as a stand-up comedian. But so, so this was kind of my, I, I started doing animated shorts thinking maybe I could get into sketch comedy that way. Like I could be like a Terry Gilliam to a, to a show uh, the way he was to Monty Python. So. But it's usually the voice. It's usually the voice, except for Beavis and Butthead, was the drawing first. And, and so then, how yeah. did you even learn how to, to do all that? Because a lot, some people don't know that your degree is in physics. It's not you didn't go to art school. or. I don't know that I have learned how to do it. <laughs> it's, uh, I, well, I actually just, I, I had always wanted to play around with animation. I, when I started out, it was I had a Bolex camera. I didn't own a computer. I was, you know doing it all, doing the hundreds of drawings and cells. I, um, I just, I, this sounds embarrassing, but I just, I went to the library and got books on it and <laughs> just uh, learned it that way. I didn't even know any animators. Um, 
And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, now, now it's just, it's, it, things are, you know, you can do a lot on, on computer. I kind of miss the way, I kind of miss the old way. But uh, it's kind of gone now. Well, I feel like there might be a lot of questions from the audience, so I'm going to turn it over to you guys. But I think you need to wait for the microphone. Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, um, Mike Judge, uh, thank you for Beavis and Butthead. Uh, it really got me uh, through uh, a lot of my teen years. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, you're welcome. My, my question is, uh, 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 you said that you were uh, thinking of making a, an animated film. Uh, uh, have you... Uh, Thought of making uh, an like uh, an animated CGI film of of, of uh, like say one of your uh, animated uh, cartoons like uh, uh, for instance King of the Hill or uh, The Good Family. Um, actually, Good Family. At one point, they were talking about doing that more of a CG kind of way. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, I think my drawings are so weird they don't really lend themselves to 3D. And in fact, it's kind of even hard to. I mean, I, I'm just not, I'm not very good at drawing. Uh, I, I'm actually, I mean, if you look at Butthead, when he turns his head, it's like, doesn't always match up. It's, it's not a, I, I drove the animators crazy because they're used to, you know, you go to, these people all, there's some really great animators work on that. They go to art school, you have these ways of doing a rotation on a body where all the dimensions are right. And, uh, you know, they tried with Beavis and Butthead and I go, no, that just, it doesn't look funny to me and it looks I actually think it looks funny when the hair's all over the place and the rotation doesn't make sense and um but uh so yeah probably wouldn't none of those would probably really work when actually somebody did a in Sculpey did a really great 3D Hank that was actually actually looked pretty good but uh yeah when they try to do when they try to make a butthead statue or something it just looks really weird those guys just belong flat in 2D, I think. Oh, hi. Uh, I was just wondering, how did you go from the point of, you said you were just like making little sketches to having a show like Beavis and Butthead, and also what advice would you give to people starting out now? Okay, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I always like this question because I, I always wondered, I was just sitting there on my couch in Dallas going, how do you break into comedy? How, like... And anytime I hear somebody on TV telling a story, there's always some huge section missing. Like <laughs> it's always like, as I oh well, I called up so and so at Universal, and he was in, you know, and I don't know anyone at Universal. I'm sitting in my house in Dallas, and I, and um, so I I just kind of had this thing like okay, build it and they will come. I'll just I'm I just made I'm just going to make these cartoons. I can I could you know just for the cost of the film and my time and developing it and then getting the sound right. It was all, you know, probably spent like maybe 400 bucks on the first one or first couple. Um, and I, I got a VHS tape of it. I laid the sound on. And so, so here I had this thing done and I was like, okay, now what do I do? And I, I swear to God, I just, I called 411 and just started getting numbers of like, I, I literally, uh, MTV please. Um, Yes, New York, uh, and and I started. I mean, I, on one hand, I kind of felt embarrassed, but I'm like, well, no one's watching me. I'm just these people don't know me, whatever. And I just started making calls and getting addresses of and and looking at names in the credits that maybe didn't get a lot of mail, like a producer or a you know, 
and I made these tapes. I put, I did a drawing that I put on the side that was kind of caught people's eye, and it said homemade cartoons. I figured a lot of people I had this character inbred Jed that, that was like this really <laughs> deranged-looking hillbilly, and I, I, I had him at the beginning actually just kind of laughing on the tape, and then I had a little picture of him on the side, and um, I, I mail, mailed out like 15 of these things. There, uh, there was a show called Kids in the Hall on Comedy Central that I sent to to them. I sent to this show called Night After Night with Alan Havey and then the animation festivals. And within a week, I got all these calls. I got like the Kids in the Hall show called me actually. And then um, nothing happened with it. But, um, and that first cartoon, one of them played on this show on Comedy Central called Night After Night with Alan Havey. And then the other two got in the festival. And then, and then people just started saying, hey, how fast can you make these? Can you make more? And so I, it was, I was kind of surprised. I was like, God, all, those, all these years I spent going, oh, I wish I had connections. And, and I think if you make something that shows that you did a lot of effort, you're, you're not out just bothering people and trying to pitch stuff. I'm horrible at pitching anyway. But if you just make something that shows, okay, this guy or girl put a lot of effort into this and there's... it. That counts for something, and I think, you know, you can, there's, you don't have to send it straight to Steven Spielberg. There's people that, you know, find names in the credits that aren't as, that don't get as much mail and probably, oh, I have a fan sent me something, and they're more likely to open it, you know. Hi. Um, I was just wondering, uh, since you have experience writing comedy for both animation and live action, uh, how does your process differ for either, and is there like a certain a way you prefer, or do you feel like a certain idea gets across better in one medium or the other? I th- yeah, I think it, when I'm if I start with a script, it's live action usually. Like I, uh, the animated stuff I've done um, usually started out just making a film or doing the drawing. Um, you know, John John Chris Felusi who does does Ren and Stimpy and um, or did Ren and Stimpy, which I was a huge fan of. He, he's got this thing about you know that, that animation is an artist medium, no writers. You know, it's and and his stuff is you know storyboard driven and all that. Um, I kind of am a little more writer driven than most animation maybe, but I do like. I mean, once King of the Hill was a show, I was writing scripts and that sort of thing. But um, to me, it's uh, it's it's. But ultimately, it's kind of the same because it's it's really about when you're writing a screenplay. I mean, to me, it's about it's not about the screenplay. It's about what the movie's going to be, and and it's kind of uh, I I think of it um, I think of it kind of the same way. I mean, it's ultimately not to to be read. It's to be made into a movie, and so it's kind of the same thing with animation. I'm just thinking about making the you know I'll write stuff down, but. Um, it's uh anyway yeah hope that answers your question so your name at this point seems to carry a lot of weight i mean i was just noticing on your advertising it says 100 percent pure mike judge so clearly it got some... my idea <laughs> so my question is um at this stage how difficult is it to get a film green lighted um compared to your earlier stuff and what's that process like well um it's actually like if it's probably not that hard for me to get a movie greenlit, depending on the movie and who's in it and what it's about, that sort of thing. Um, uh, I mean, after Office Space, I actually got 
offered some pretty big movies just to direct. They weren't things that I'd written, and I just didn't want to do that at the time. But um, it's uh, I don't like this. This um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to set it up with a studio. I wanted to just. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd written the script on spec, so I owned it. I didn't didn't take any money to write it. I so uh, we just went to private investors with these rich guys down in Manhattan Beach and uh, and just said look here's the package it's Jason Bateman and myself and you know eight million dollars and um, you can say from the guy who made office space and you know they I, I think for something like that it was it wasn't too hard to get it financed it's uh, um, I think uh, if I if I wanted to go the studio route and set something up and pitch it and all that stuff, it probably wouldn't be too hard, I guess. Um, they're getting a little tighter now, though. The, the economy's affected everybody. They're, uh, they're not just throwing away money like they used to. It's, it's easy to get paid. It's, you know, scripts are kind of cheap relative to the cost of a movie, so it's, it's easy to get a script greenlit, and then, you know, you, the next level is, you know, figuring out if they'll greenlight the movie, and that's usually based on who's in it and that sort of thing. Uh, with your process of going from directing and writing an animated picture as opposed to working with real actors, is the process harder for you, or is it easy to transition to working with like real people and directing like when you're actually on set? Um, yeah, it's a lot of the same thought process is like an animation... When you're storyboarding, it's similar to figuring out where you're going to put the camera, how you're going to stage something. And um, I had worked with some actors doing voices on on the movie, but um, you know, live action. It's just it it struck me when I made Office Space. Just like, um, well, actually, people kiss your ass a lot more when you're making a live action movie. I mean, everyone's just way nicer to you, and like uh, when you're doing animation, no one cares. They, did, uh, but. Um, it did strike me like really early on um, in animation you get used to it. you have many opportunities to change things and you know if it doesn't work live action you know you're sitting there and it's like okay we got a half hour and it's now or never and the film will be there on the shelves for years for your grandkids to see and you've got this moment and if it's not working you're screwed and it's a really intense that that part of it's really intense and that that took a little getting used to um <clears throat> i remember in, the, in office space when we were shooting that uh the traffic jam thing where he's changing lanes and the, and it just we had 200 extras in their car and it wasn't working and i was just i, I almost had a meltdown like <laughs> of like like this is the opening to the movie and it's not working and it's not and and finally we got it i mean it's like every time he'd change lanes it would take too long for these cars to go and and you know, those kind of things can just, uh, that's just really intense. Whereas in animation, you can, you're just sitting in a room alone and going, hmm, well, this, you know, I mean, you, it's still a lot of work, but it's, uh, it's over a longer period of time. So what was your motivation for Office Space? Did you realize it would be such a cult classic? And, and <laughs> did you spend time in an office? Yeah, I worked, uh, I was an engineer, actually, uh, uh, coming out of college and actually even before that while I was in college I had probably I, and I've had a lot of jobs I mean I've worked from anywhere from I worked at Jack in the Box at one point and 
high school. I've worked at a paper route when I was a kid. I had a job alphabetizing purchase orders, which is the worst job ever. I mean, because it occupies your entire mind and soul with just the alphabet and put it, and, and then, like, I'd, I'd go home and I'd be trying to go to sleep and I'd be going, A, Armijo, Armstrong, A, but Like, I couldn't shut it off. And then all day long, and there was a woman uh, the next desk over who answered the phone the same way over and over again, corporate accounts payable. Um, and she, did, she hit the vowels really hard, corporate accounts payable. And um, so I would hear that in my sleep, too. And, but then when I was an engineer, actually, my first engineering job was, was okay. The second one was just, I had, like, seemed like maybe there were 25, 30 people working at this place, and 12 of them were my boss bosses. And it was just, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got a lot of material out of, out of that from office space, including when I, when I quit, they just couldn't believe it. And I had, I kind of had a moment like I put in the movie where I I was being polite at first and I made up some excuse and the guy just kept pressing me and I said, so, you know, why don't, why don't you want to work here? I said, well, I just come in here and I look around and I'm completely miserable. I don't want to be here. You know, I just started telling him all this stuff and then he responded by offering me stock options and saying (laughs) like, (laughs) Because oddly enough, I was actually pretty good at that, for uh, especially at that place. Um, but yeah, so I that was uh, that was really kind of a that was kind of a personal film, I guess. Um, I've always wondered um, why you gave away the character Daria, and like, what do you think of the success of Daria, and would you ever do anything with that in the future? Oh, um, well, I didn't technically technically give it away because they already owned it <laughs> I'd uh, Daria was actually the only character main character in that that came out of uh, kind of a, a network note that was their only note was maybe have a girl there who's you know who can kind of hang with them but uh, points out they're ridiculous I that was a little uh, that was a little disappointing to me because I when they first presented that I was you know they said um, they were thinking of spinning off Daria and I said oh that'd be a good idea and I just kind of assumed they were going to like include me and do, and they just went off and did it and and uh, so I, I don't know I I don't I actually um, I heard some of it was good that Glenn Eichler was a good writer he was I think probably if it was good it was he was probably responsible for it um, but uh, yeah I never really thought about doing much more with that I um and that was really uh it that came out of a script called uh an episode called science and um we were uh yeah I don't know I I I didn't I didn't worry about that one too much I guess they made a movie at some point that aired on uh, just for tv but um yeah I don't know I I don't know if anything will ever happen with that right over here Okay, now obviously Texas played a big part in King of the Hill, but how much do you think that Texas sensibility is reflected in a lot of your other work? Well, I mean, I I actually grew up um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, mostly, and moved to Texas after college. And uh, but in my neighborhood in Albuquerque, uh, I think five of my neighbors were Texans from Texas, and I had a paper out in a kind of blue-collar Texas 
transplant area. Eastern New Mexico and West Texas are kind of similar. Um, it, it's funny, like when I was a kid, it seemed like every adult authority figure that was scolding you had a Texas accent. So I was like, excuse me, boys, what are you doing? It was, it, it, it's just, uh, but, but then we didn't really have Texas accents. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess, um, I don't think of it specific. I guess it does influence just because I, it's what I know. But I, also when I was a musician, I mean, I played all over and I kind of feel like Dallas seems kind of like Midwest to me. And I like it's all, I think it's pretty homogenous when you go up, you know. So I, I guess I'm, I don't think of it so much as Texas is just kind of what I know of, you know, just suburban life, I guess. And that's probably the biggest influence. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mike, so much. And thank you to everybody for asking questions and for yep. coming. Thank you for coming. Great. And don't forget, Extract opens on Friday. So everyone, everyone check it out. Go see it. <laughs>